Welcome again to Touch Heaven Canfield this morning. Thank you for being here. And uh, we're missing many, so if you're listening later or that, I miss you. I think a few other people might miss you. So uh, stay in touch and let me know all is well. Sometimes we try to determine when someone isn't here, we try to call them, make sure they're okay, especially uh, those of you who are assisting with that. And and Patty and Laura Lee and some of the rest of you, Becky, we thank you for doing that and staying in touch with people. It's so important. And for those of you, again, who are online with us, welcome. Uh, all of you who've been sending such wonderful greetings, I started getting them in the middle of the night. Thank you for that. I didn't need to sleep anyway. It was all right. Uh, you know I get up early, so that's good. I may as well get up early for a, a good blessing rather than uh, warfare, so that's a good thing. We bless God for that. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that you impart to us by your Holy Spirit and by the Spirit inside of us that cries out to your Spirit, Lord, that we latch on to you, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. We bless you, O Lord, that the mystery revealed will just send us to a deeper place with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a lot of canned sermons. How many of you know that? How many of you know there's a thing called Sermon Central and you could pay to be a member of it and just dial up a sermon? How, oh, yeah, yeah. How many of you know that a lot of people do that? How many of you know that this pastor has never done that? Uh, for two reasons. I'm cheap and I'm not going to pay somebody else for their sermon. And... Uh, Number two, I fear God, and I don't know what would happen to me if I did such a thing. I'd probably be a babbling idiot, a greater babbling idiot than I am other times. But thank God for that. Uh, the, what the Lord put in my heart is that, you know, Father God has made us a family affair. And, uh, of course, it's inspired by some great writers that have dealt with it in the past, and uh, we don't need to go through that list and deal with them. But a relationship with the Father as we've been discussing in our series on uh, walk the talk on the wild side of new creation living, the bedrock of that foundation is the love of the Father. And yes, of course, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, but we also know that it's the love of the Father that goes all the way back as far as we can in word and in scripture and in revelation and understanding. I'd like us to look at Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 20 for a moment if we can. Building upon this as a foundation for today, uh, I think it would be healthy for us to see this. Do we have it up on this screen? Not yet. Huh? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know this is Paul writing. Paul only knew the Father, but he didn't know him because he didn't go to him through Jesus Christ. He knew about the Father. He knew about the Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew the Father that was written of in the first five books of Moses. He knew that this Father was how he understood the Creator. He only knew him in the sense of Adonai, even though the name Eloheinu had been revealed, but the mystery of the Godhead had not been revealed, or let's say understood. 
And so now here's Paul who's come to the fullness of the knowledge and the understanding of the Godhead, of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit. But yet he doesn't let go and he understands that the foundation of it all is the Father. And we understand that Jesus himself points and he says, the Father is greater. The Father is the one. I've come here to do the will of the Father. My Father loves me because I do his will. And we then get a greater understanding in the Ten Commandments why the Lord, the finger of the Lord would write a commandment to honor your father and your mother. To be able to say that this is important because the honor of the Father in heaven is foremost of all things. And when the Father is dishonored, then anarchy falls into place. And, of course, we understand that's why we ended up with the fall of Lucifer and those angels that fell with him. But in this establishment, we see that for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he could have said... I bow my knees to my Father in heaven. I bow my knees to all of our fathers in heaven. But he wanted to make sure that everybody understood that Jesus didn't replace the Father. Jesus didn't displace the Father. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead manifest to us here on earth because no man has seen the Father except the Son who is with him and came from heaven to earth. And then he gives us this revelation. And if you don't get much more out of today, I'm going to give you a, full, a few bullet points that I really want you to bite into and to just get all of the spiritual juice out of it that you possibly can. And one of those is, he says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Wow. Paul, think about this for a moment. Paul was disenfranchised from the moment that he found Jesus. Now, other people have experienced that in their lives. They've been separated from family. They've been ostracized from their culture, even from their faith beforehand, right? We understand that. And for a Jew that comes out, oftentimes, even today, but more so, certainly in that hour, and even just a few generations, a generation or two back and a few decades back, it was a, you were ostracized, even to the point that some families would call that person dead. It happens in the Islamic faith now. It happens in the Orthodox Jewish faith. It happens with the Hasidim. That person that comes to the realization of Yeshua HaMashiach is considered dead. So Paul is really endeared to a family. He's an orphan without one. And he had walked away from everything walked away from his promise, his appointment to, to succeed Gamaliel. He had walked away, obviously, from his Hebrew family. We never hear anything about what happened with Paul's family, do we? It sort of is an anomaly, which tends to make us wonder that probably nothing happened, because I think Paul would have been really, really excited. And we also understand why he was holding on, as we've learned in the book of Romans and others, that, that Israel, that Jews will be saved, that the promise of God hasn't moved away from the Jews. But instead, he gets that, the mystery, he gets the understanding that God has widened the scope. He's making a bigger family. 
and that there's a, a thing, a way that everyone is linked together through Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named going backward again to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, yes, we've sort of assumed this name called Christian. Originally, it was the people of the way. And then it was believers. And it's gone through various different ways. And, and we're okay. We're good with being Christians. It's those who follow Christ. But you have a deeper name. You have a richer name. You have a name that nobody else knows. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it's a mysterious name that no one else will receive but you, along with a stone. I don't know what that's all about, but so we get it. And in that instance, you have a surname and you have a first name, but everyone is called by that same surname, and it's the name of the Holy Father. I didn't get my tab back. Oh, yes, I did. I'm sorry. Here it is. Tyler, I was going to falsely accuse you. I stand. He's on his, I don't know if he's on his game. We'll see if this works or not. And then, then I'll compliment him some more. But in this instance, I want to show you something, if you don't know already, that whenever you see this, do you know why you see that? Or do you know why you see this, especially coming out of religious Jews? Because... They believe that the name of the Lord is so holy that nobody should write it or say it. And so that's how Yehovah came. And that's why it was the Yid, the Yad, Yov, Yov. And that's why it's written without that inside. And Hashem is the one who is. Hashem is the one whose holy name we don't say. Hashem is the holy name of God. And so I see it didn't come up on the screen. Well, I see Tyler, you messed up again. <laughs> so what I didn't show you was God, G D. The vowel left out, the full name not given, because the name was considered so holy that it shouldn't be professed and said. But yet Paul gives us this revelation. Could you imagine that it might have shook? The, the Jewish side of his relations a little bit when he said, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named as God had given him. And then he goes on and he says a prayer that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Let's underline glory. Glory, because glory is the chain that gives us that divine nature that we can say we are of the family of God. To be strengthened with might through his spirit through his spirit, deep in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Love is our focus right now. And then you can comprehend with all the saints, who? The household of God, through the, the family of God, all the saints, what is this length? What is this depth? What is this height? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now, to know the love of Christ, we must know the love of the Father. You cannot know the love of Christ without the love of the Father. And you cannot know the love of the Father without the love of Christ. You can know the fear of the Lord without knowing the love of the Lord. 
And this revelation of Father God is knowing that the ultimate will of the Father is to reconcile everything and everyone back to himself through Christ because of his love. It's his love. Now, there's some theologians that would tell us that in Genesis, as we get into the verses 1, 2, and 3, in Genesis 3, that there's a void and a darkness in the earth, correct? And we understand that one of the translations for that word isn't that the earth was void, that the earth was dark, but one of the translations is that the earth became dark. That would insinuate, if we dig deep, that there's a high probability that the earth was not dark when God created it. Why? Because God is perfect, and he creates all things perfectly, and he's the light, and there's no darkness in light. So we can presume by the establishment and the foundation of the word of God that when God created the earth, that most likely, and I'm saying most likely because we really can't hook our teeth on it and say with an absolute, but how about this? We do know that Lucifer rebelled against God, don't we? And we do know that in that disobedience that he was what? Cast out of heaven and we are told a third of the angels with him. Well, where did they come? Down here on earth. We know that this is, he's the prince of this world right now. And so then it was necessary for the Lord to say, let there be light. Because there was no light because the light had been dampened by the fall of Satan who, by the way, was called an angel of light, wasn't he? And so darkness came, and the Lord said, let there be light. Because everything about the Father is to bring light into darkness. Everything about the Father is to bring reconciliation and restoration. And the ultimate reconciliation and restoration is Jesus Christ. And that's why the word tells us God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the ultimate force of love. And then we see that this, this yearning for the Father was to create an earth of living things in a symbiotic relationship that one helps the other and gives to the other. And even the light has a photosynthesis and the vegetation comes forth and the, the water creates an atmosphere and there's an ability to be able to grow and to move and for things to live off of each other. I mean, if you were to do some research, you'd come up with different numbers, but there's one such number that there's 28 million species of fish. Unbelievable. God knows how many birds, right? 10,000 birds. I don't know how many birds. Jesus was a bird watcher. And, and so we understand that God created this complex but very simple thing and, and divided it into types. And each day of the Lord, as we understand, was for him to bring a life into this earth. And with each one, he gave this law. And this law gives us an insight into the kingdom of God. This law gives us an insight into the love of the Lord. This law gives us an insight into the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that there be a procreation of what he creates. 
He's the creator. He doesn't want what he creates to come to a finish, to come to a completion. He doesn't want what he creates to be dead in sin. He wants it to be alive. He wants everyone to be alive. It's about the father and his family. It's all about the affair of his family. And then ultimately, we get the first glimpse of the plurality of God, of the Godhead, of the Trinity. When in Genesis 1 and 25 and 26, he says, let us, Eloheinu, let us create this man, this human, this being on earth, but let us create him even in our image and in our likeness. And then he puts a couple special qualifications on it. And one of them is, he says, and have dominion over everything else that I've created here on earth. Have dominion over the earth. Have authority. Be my representative. Be the Godhead here on earth. And then something very, very unique. He creates the ability to have children. And he said, let every kind bring forth its own kind. You know, God just could have created a family and could have done away with the man and the woman having to come together in intimacy to create a child. He could have done it a different way, but yet it's a type of creation that the Lord has given. And so with it, for fathers, comes a responsibility. And that responsibility is, is to appreciate and be caretakers of that precious seed of the father. Now, sometimes we have to wake up to that. We don't understand it to a different point in our lives. But when we do, we understand what a precious gift a seed is. And in that seed, we also understand that God uses that spiritually all throughout Scripture. Ultimately, in the book of Revelation, we see in 12 that there's a war that goes on when God brings forth the man-child. And from the beginning of that man-child coming forth and Adam and then coming again in the likeness of, of, of calling for Israel, it transitions spiritual Israel. We see that the dragon, Lucifer, Satan, comes to do war with the seed of God. Why? Why was Satan so obsessed with coming between God and Adam? It was to break the family relationship because he no longer could have it. He was jealous. And not only was he jealous and envious, he felt that if he could break that relationship, he would wound the father in the worst way. How many of you know that Satan hates the father? Do you know that? Have you thought about that? Have you determined that he hates Father God? He despises Jesus Christ. But Jesus put a thumping on him. And he certainly, certainly isn't pleased at all with the Holy Spirit. So much that he tries to counterfeit him. And comes as a different spirit. And some people get confused to what spirit is talking to them. Because man's spirit is made to have relationship with spirit. It's spirit to spirit. And that's why through Jesus Christ we know that that mystery is revealed to us from before the foundation of the world. That we can worship the Father now in spirit and in truth through Christ. Through Christ. 
What a tremendous opportunity and gift. What an ultimate display of intimacy. What a rite of passage for us. What a wonderful, wonderful way to be a member of the family of God. Peter takes it a little farther in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. And this is a word for us today, and it was a word for then. I once heard somebody say that they could imagine that Peter would be in the heavenly place, just bouncing off of celestial clouds, wondering what is going on on earth. What are they doing? How could they be blaspheming God so much? Where is judgment in the house of God? For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and it begins with us first. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? This is a solemn warning to us, isn't it? It's a warning that we need to understand because it's an interruption of relationship with the Father. That's why it must be in the house of God first. We're the family of God. Now, unlike what the secular uh, culture will tell us, and what the theme of kumbaya wants us to believe, that we all love one another. How about that one? And that the whole earth is in love with one another, and we're all brothers and sisters. The truth of the matter, family of God, is the person that is not linked to Jesus Christ and is not my bloodline is not my brother or my sister. That's a fellow human being. You are my brothers and sisters. I, whether you like it or not, I'm your brother or your sister. I'm not your sister. <laughs> we have a wide family. It's called the household of God. And the household of God comes with special privileges, and it comes with special responsibilities. The special privileges are that we can enter in to the holy of holies. And I know we love that word boldly. No, what it means is without the fear the fear of being stricken down of God, because that was the fear of the law. The law is fear, but we've been set free of the law, and because of Jesus Christ, we can come unto him and cry out as we sang, Abba, Abba, Daddy, Father, loving Father, here I am. And we can come not with a spot or a blemish. We leave that behind here in our earthly citizenship, because we're citizens of that heavenly place, and we walk in with a different passport, and that passport is dripping with the blood of Jesus Christ. That passport's been washed clean, and when we present ourselves to the Father through Christ, it's as the final page in the book of life written for each and every one of us that says, welcome, daughter, welcome, son, welcome, my family, I love you. We have a very special privilege that all the inheritance of God is ours in abundance. We are the heirs and citizens of the Most High God. We are the ones that he bestows all of his blessings upon and holds nothing back. Because the Father, as Jesus said, himself loves you. So let's look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, a moment. I want to really, really burn into our spirits 
that we are the family of God. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all and underline especially to those who are of the household of faith. So let me ask you a question. You live in a neighborhood and there's many families. And uh, the families have different dysfunctions, correct? Of course, there's perfect families out there. I haven't found that one yet, but they're out there. And they, have, they all have their issues. They all have their stories. They all have their testimonies. They all have their fears. They all have uh, their problems and anxieties. And you look at your own family and you say, you know what, I'm just going to spend all my time in the neighborhood dealing with everybody else's problems. What happens to your family when you do that? They fall apart. They become dysfunctional. They scatter. They begin to cry out like every spirit does in Romans 8, crying out for the adoption to wit, it says, of the love of the Father. Crying out to be brought in again as a son and daughter, trying to dis regard and, and be able to disrobe the orphan spirit and to be clothed with the love of the Father. And that's why Paul says to us, to those who are the household of faith. Beloved, there's something very special that happens in the body of Christ. And when we become the children of God, we don't have any citizenship. Listen to me, some of you may like it, some of you may not, I don't know. We don't have citizenship to a denomination. We don't. A denomination is similar to a culture. Now, I have a culture. You have a culture. We come from a diverse cultures. We, our ancestors spoke diverse languages. Some of you speak stuff in English. I have no clue what you're saying. But what I do know is this. I do know that in the household of the family of God, we are intimately linked to one another. And I do know that Paul understood because he didn't have a family but the household of God. It's the only family he had left. And the loving Father above and his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Paul cherished that relationship and still does. And so he's trying to impart it to us. And he says, as often as you can, do good to all. Do good to all. But doesn't mean to just pour yourself out so there's nothing else left just doing good to all. It means as often as you can, if you have a choice to do bad or do good, do good. Do good. That's an easy one to do. And the other one he says, and especially, 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 most of all, first and foremost, to those who are of the household of faith. Because we are made to be able to edify, to build, and to take this earthly walk together. That's why we're so important to one another. That's why I cherish this house and those who are joined to us online. Forgive me. Yes, I could, I could be a hypocrite and tell you, I love everybody equally. I try to love everybody equally. I honestly do. But I don't know about you. I fall short in some places. There's some people that, you know, I say, I love you, and I hope I never see them again. <laughs> but I'm the only one. I know you're not there. I know you just love to see the biggest pain in your butt that you could possibly see. I don't. I'd like to say, God bless you, goodbye. No. 
But what I do find is in the family of God, there's a little special anointing for love. And I'm beginning to understand it. I haven't yet quite apprehended, but I'm working at it. And I understand what Paul was saying. Ephesians. Blessed. Oh, let's go to Ephesians 1.3 for a moment. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how he does it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you see, many people make their journey and arrive at faith in Jesus Christ without having a relationship with the Father. I've known people, as Bishop Vincent will tell you, in Africa, as we had our first large conference there, that had no relationship with the Father whatsoever. And I went there, you know, as a Messianic Jew to put the Africa on fire for Jesus, and the Lord stopped me. And he said, they don't know the Father. I started with a prayer, threw everything else away. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, here on earth as it is in heaven. That's as far as I got the first day out. The spirit of the living God fell down upon that place. We all fell on our faces, and from the afternoon till the evening, we were saturated in the love of the Father. I call it a baptism in the love of the Father. And in the evening, we found ourselves dancing and worshiping and singing under the full moon in Sambaru, Kenya, looking out over the, 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 the desert and the scraggly trees and hearing some hyenas howling, worshiping the Father. I still remember that moment as it fell. I tend to believe that it was somewhat prophetic and, and it began to creep out across the land and Kenya and things began to happen and a love of the Father came into that place. For me, I only knew the Father when I came to Christ, but I feared him. I didn't love him. I feared him. I didn't know how to love him because without Christ, we can't love the Father. Without Christ, we really can't love one another. Without Christ, we can't partake of forgiveness because we're not forgiven. How can you give something you don't have? You can't. And so somebody may say, without Christ, I, I forgive that, but they really don't. They hold on to it, and it's deep inside their spirit because the Spirit's crying out for the Father. And the Father's crying out for his family. That's why one of the most intimate names I know of for Jesus besides my Lord, my Messiah, is my brother. He's my brother. I'm with him in the family of God. I don't know how that happens. I'm not worthy, but yet he says I am so worthy that he gave his blood. So worthy that he gave everything that he had. So loved that he laid down his life. So that you and I could be brothers and sisters in the family with Adonai, Abi, Father. Our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every 
spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Where do the blessings flow from? The Father, through Christ, in Christ. I don't know how to divide that all up and don't even try. We're one with him. We're one with the Father, one with the Son, one with the Holy Spirit. He's made us one with them so that we don't have to figure out how to partition it out. Let me have some of Jesus. Let me have some of the Father. Oh, let's sprinkle him with the Holy Spirit. No, it's the fullness of the Godhead who has blessed us. Blessed Hashem, Hashainah. Blessed, hallowed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All the blessings are from the source. Fatherhood is a source. Some people are trying to have children without the seed of the Father. Uh, uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, it's the seed of the Father. And not only is it the seed of the Father, it's the Spirit that comes with the seed of the Father. God is a spirit. Father God, spiritually conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary. Father God, spiritually conceives all life in the womb along with the seed. I'll show you. I'll prove it to you. You must get this foundation. Next verse. According as he has chosen us in him, in him, say before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in God. He's chosen us in Christ. Before the foundation of the world, the very first sentence in the book of life that has your holy name on it, that nobody else knows but him, the same last name, we all have the same last name, whatever that is, Hashem, hey, but it's a different name that he calls us by. Interesting. God is so amazing. He's made you so unique before the foundation of the world. He wrote you in the book. And in that book, he said, let there be Bing. Let there be Gary. Let there be Don. JP, you too. Let there be crack man. Interesting. Just so man would never think that it was random or that somehow you were a mistake or you're out of place or you're not unique. That you don't have a specific identity and a call and purpose that you are so loved of the Father that he created you first in his bosom and in his heart. Jesus Christ says in John, is in the bosom of the Father and you're in Christ you're in the heart of the Father oh I feel the Holy Spirit maybe I feel the presence of the Father 
bosom of the Father. You're at the heart, throb of the Holy One, the Father. Every time His spiritual heart throbs, your name echoes in His spirit. Shrouded with love, intimacy. conceived by the Father. And so now, we manifest in a time and place here on earth. And all it's supposed to be is a transition, a transformation. We're just traveling through this journey here in this dimension. We're headed to eternal life with the Lord God Almighty. Time is not your enemy. Time is not your enemy. Time has already lost its hold on you. It lost before you started. And when you pass through this dimension, time will be no more. It's eternity. So you can look at time as a second lost, a minute that was wasted, an hour that you're trying to bring back, a year of a lifetime maybe many years. Or you can look forward and upward to apprehend what God has for you. And then you understand the mystery of redeeming time in the fatherhood of God. Because every second that goes past us and passes away those old things, they're behind me. Every second that's before me is one more step into eternity. I'm not afraid of time. I'm no longer challenged by time. I'm not allowing myself to be intimidated in the wallows in the what I did not do and should have done and couldn't do. No. I'm looking forward to the next second, the next moment, the next hour. And when they come and they go, I don't celebrate them anymore. And I don't commiserate with them at all. I thank the Lord for the next one and then as we understand that we should be holy and without blame before him in love how do we do that I want to close with this section Colossians 3 14 of perfection, Colossians 3.14. But above all these things, put on love. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Give a moment's thought on perfection. What is the ultimate, the ultimate level of perfection? The Father.
It's the Father. The Father can't lie. Everything the Father creates is perfect. He's light. Everything that the Father reconciles can't withstand Him. The grave couldn't withstand the love of the Father. The grave of Jesus Christ. Sin can't withstand the love of the Father. Defeat can't withstand the love of the Father. The Father is ultimate perfection. If we go back to Colossians, the bond of perfection is love. That's the ultimate baseline of our faith. It's the love of the Father and the Father's love for you. No greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for a friend. Did Jesus come forth from the Father? From the bosom of the Father? The very heart. Did Jesus go back to the Father? Yes, Father. Give me back the glory that I have with you always that we can be one again. And by the way, let's make them one with us. The ultimate perfect bond is love. And it's the love of the Father. Our bond as the household of God is our love. It's a love that is able to forgive and forget the imperfections of flesh, the imperfections of lives that are wayward and trying to find their way of hurts, of falling short. The love of the Father that says, as the Father loves you, I love you. I can't do it in my own, Bruce, but I sure could do it with him. And I'm not saying you're hard to love, brother. I'm just picking on you because I love you. Dom, I'm mad at you. You missed last week, so I'll, but I'll, I'll, I love you. I want you to sign my card. I didn't see your name on it. <laughs> no, you don't sign it. Julian, you sign it. Forget, I don't want his signature on it. The love of the Father father I know we look forward to so many different moments in that heavenly hour in that place when we first walk through whatever those gates are but I'll tell you I'll tell you yes I want to see Jesus and I want to see all those saints and I want to see the loved ones that have gone on before but is it possible that I will see the father I don't know if I could look upon the face of the Father, my Holy Father, my perfect Father, who so loved me that He gave His Son so that I could be a son.
Worshiping the Father. It's a rite of passage. Given to you and I that was paid with the ultimate price of the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no worship of the Father without entering through the blood. There's none. It might be nice songs and they might be done in a symphony hall and Goosebumps may come and hair may stand up. But it's not the worship of a son or a daughter in intimacy with Almighty God. Sometimes it's theatrics. Sometimes it's just feeling good. But there's only one way to worship the Father. There's a word in the Greek. I like this one for worship. I'm going to write it for you. Proscunio. Do you know what it means? To kiss. To kiss. Proscunio. Worship. Woman, you don't know how to worship the Father, but the day will come when you'll know how to kiss him in spirit and in truth. A kiss implies many things. One thing is intimacy and the other is relationship. Yesterday when we had a little family thing and my family was tremendous to me, it humbled me, it honored me. Maybe even understand the love of the Father more when, when we were leaving and the, hugging the different grandchildren, the, the little Laylee, the little girl, came running into my arms and she wasn't satisfied with a hug. She pulled her face away and smacked me right on the lips with a kiss. didn't wipe those lips off until I brushed my teeth that night. Intimacy of the Father. A child's love. An expression of relationship. The love of Daddy. The love of Father. you're here today and you've had some shortcomings with relationships with Father here on this earth. Maybe you still do. Some never really had a relationship at all with the Father here. Satan's working hard to destroy fatherhood in civilization. cultures are doing his work to wipe away honor the core of which honor is fatherhood it all goes back to the same to 
try and kill the spirit of man to breach the relationship with the Holy Father. I'd like to offer up a prayer for those that are here, those who are online, those who will be listening. Simple prayer. That no matter what the shortcoming was, no matter the severity of the issue, of the abandonment, the orphanage, no matter the abuse, no matter the pain and the hurt, that the love of the Holy Father flood your soul and your heart with His perfect love. And that every crevice gets filled and that every bump in the spirit gets leveled. That your hearts be filled with the love of the Father. Unspeakable. The depths through Christ almost unreachable. Relationships may not be restored here on this earth. Some are gone. Some hearts are hard. But it does not preclude us from a healing of the heart and a filling of the soul. Because our God is a restorer. Our God is a healer. Our Father wants nothing less than to give you his all in all in everything. So, Father, do it. Lord, let your spirit flood this place. Flood this household of the family of faith, oh God. Heal hearts. Father, we ask you to put a bright light where there's darkness. We ask you, Father, to let the hope of your glory replace every failure, every shortcoming, every hiccup of joy in life. And most of all, Father, that the spirit of wisdom and knowledge that you give us is amplified and manifest in Jesus Christ and all that are here. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you say, Pastor, I'd like to commit my life to Jesus Christ right now, here or online or wherever you're at, or I'd like to just get my life back in line with Christ right now. I don't want to hold back anymore. I'm going to understand, maybe not today, but I'm going to take that step and believe you, Holy Father, that you're going to reveal to me this love that I don't know the way I should, this forgiveness I've not had, this peace, the promises. If that's you, all I want you to do, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to put your hand up right where you are. Just make a commitment to God. It's between you and Him. It's not with me. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. And I know there's more. Wherever you are, I want you to know that the Father sees you. Let's just say a brief prayer all together. Holy Father, you are God. 
Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for sending your son for my sins. Thank you for saving and restoring my soul. Forgive my sins. Father, restore unto me a new life, a life in your spirit. Grant unto me eternal life in your spirit. And I honor you, Jesus, as my Lord. Now and forevermore, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My soul is flooded with the love of the Lord. I'm like a limp, wet noodle up here. Everything is just languishing in the love of the Father. What a precious gift of God. So precious of God. So precious of God. I'd like to invite uh, Ken up here while he positions himself. He's going to give us a special fun worship song while we pick up our offering. Thank you. And uh, for those who are online, if you're here and you'd like an envelope, please put your hand up and if you're making out a check or something else, it's just a touch heaven canfield. Those online, thank you for your support. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll share again at another time how God is using this little house and the resources that are given through tithes and worship here to do mighty things. And uh, beyond anything we could possibly imagine, if we were to sit down and try to do a budget of what we thought we could do with what God gave us. He's just incredible, the things that he does. Just incredible. Ken, will you lead us in worship, my brother? What a friend we have in Jesus. Y'all sing with me, too. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what feasts we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry 
everything to God in prayer. type thing going on. I'm on little island in the ice. Um, brother, I'd like you to share what you shared with me after service. It was your first time. Well, not your first time, but you'd been back. You hadn't been here for a long time. And as you were there, the Lord spoke something to you, and we had never even discussed it, had we? So yeah. I'd like you to hear, because uh, it's a prophetic word. I think it's timely for the house, and it sort of uh, echoes what I was saying last week. So introduce yourself and your family too, would you please? Yeah, my name's uh, Dave Conaway. My family's over here, my wife, Carrie, Colt. Hi, Carrie. Brody and my sister, Kim. Hi, Kim. So yeah, we, we're friend, Ralph invited us to come out here. So we, this is our second time out here, but yeah, we were just talking last week and then during worship, the Lord gave me this word. Um, it said, this is the hour for this church to cross over a threshold into a realm of the supernatural. The house, this house is a lighthouse and a place of refuge. And then he just said, God is setting up the pieces and parts of the body to get in their place in this house. So like, and then during worship this morning, I was just like thinking about that word. And the Lord said, the lighthouse, this is, he's always the light. And, and this is a place where people are going to see the light because this is a time and a season for supernatural miracles, signs, and wonders to yes. hit this house. And that lighthouse is always on. We carry that light everywhere we go. And if we carry that into our workplaces and into our homes and fathers, if we father these people that, of the fatherless, that's what God's saying. That, that is being the light of Jesus Christ. Yes. And there's one more word that, if you don't mind, if I, this is a word Please. that the Lord gave me a while back. And I believe he wants to release this over this house, too. And uh, this is for the church. It says, I am waking a sleeping giant out of their slumber. I am waking a roaring lion. I'm releasing a sound across my city, my state, and my nation. 
It's a sound that has never been heard so loud. It's a sound of my presence, my love, my inheritance, my healing, my blessing, my power. Mm. I am calling all intercessors and prayer warriors to release this sound. It's a sound that will release joy into families, unity into my churches, love into my schools, power into my government. It's a sound that will carry in my people who are willing to be carriers. So rise up, my people, for the sound of heaven is near. Heaven will open up the floodgates with this sound. It will be released into financial breakthrough into my faithful servants. It's a sound that will open up into the most impoverished, impoverished areas that will change the mind of poverty to prosperity, of death to life, of brokenness to restoration. So call in the sound, my people, so we can be set free. The sound is nearing. So get ready, my warriors, and take the land and possess the promises of your inheritance and release this sound. And this last line always gets me. It says, change the way the world sees the church. Mm. Amen. So I believe God's just releasing a sound into this, this region, into this area. It is a sound that is so strong that's going to be heard across Ohio, across the nations. And that's what God wants to do with us, guys. That's really what he wants to do. He's ready to release the sound. Are we, he's asking us, are we willing to wake up? Are we willing to step out in faith? Are we willing to walk out the things that God, God's called us individually, corporately as a church? Because this sound is going to be released. And he's just saying, are you going to join us? Are you going to just sit back? Are you going to ride the wave of this sound that he's called us to? So, Father, I just thank you today, Lord. Father, I just release the sound over this house today, Lord. Thank you, Father, Jesus, yes. I release it into the families, Lord. That's where it starts, right in the families, Father. So, Father, I just pray for all the fathers in this place today. Father, that they will not only be natural fathers, but they will be spiritual fathers to sons and daughters that need that, Lord. Father, I just pray for opportunities for us to be fathers over people that need you, Lord that we will be an example, the, the, the love of the Father, just like Pastor Frank was talking about today. Father, that we will walk in love like we've never walked in love before, Father. Father, that our hearts will be so full of love that everywhere we go, they will see that light, Father, that we will be that lighthouse, a place of refuge for people, Lord, and that we will accept them with every issue and every problem that they have, because we all know we had our own, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for that today. And we release this sound over this house in Jesus' yes. name. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Bless you. Bless you. Uh, some of you may be aware of this. Some of you may not. But when we stepped foot back in this place in 2011, uh, a lady showed up. And uh, she had handwritten uh, a lengthy prophecy, specifically about this house, this church, this place. And the one thing that she echoed, uh, she had not been a member or a participant in, in, the pre in this church with any previous uh, uh, ministries. The, uh, the one thing that she said that the Lord showed her was that this house would become a lighthouse to the world from this little place. And she saw the glory of the Lord pouring out of the church steeple and spreading out and going out in ripples to many places. Uh, that 
prophecy has somewhat been fulfilled, but we've got a ways to go. And uh, we need to press on and to not let go and to understand that, you know, it's, it's not by money, numbers, fame, or any of those type of things that God accomplishes what he wants to do. My experience has been that God is the inverse of that. God likes to magnify and glorify himself in the small things of faith that are large in his kingdom. And so we're going to continue to pray the Lord to really show us how and what and where to continue on in the things he has given us here and everywhere, some of the four corners of the earth, that somehow or another, uh, God has given us a bit of a sphere of an influence. Amen. And in our lives together as the household of the family of God. It's a household. It's a household. It's nobody's ministry. It's a household of the family of God. We want to thank him for that. Father, thank you for that offering. Lord, we do dedicate it to you. We offer it up to you, Father. Receive it, Lord, as a form of our worship. Bless those who couldn't give and those who could give equally. We thank you, Father, that you multiply not only in your treasure in heaven, but also, Father, here in this house that we can give and do more, and also in the storehouses of those who've been able to offer, that you will bless them and bless their seed. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have any more? No? We want to continue to pray uh, for Pat. Pat's back home. They did some kind of special glue in his back that was broken. Uh, he is uh, there recovering, still has issues with breathing. Uh, we want to pray God for that. We want to thank God for Dan. Dan is home. And uh, Dan had a fall and he broke his hip. And uh, they replaced his hip. And I guess he was having trouble with that hip before. So we're believing God that this new hip is going to heal quickly and he's going to be blessed. We want to continue to pray for Jeannie Del Bono, our beloved sister, and for Sandy Ambar and uh, so many others. I know I'm missing so many people. Um, please do pray for Tina, um, our beloved Tina, who uh, did receive her prosthetic leg. She's learning how to walk on it now. Rita. Okay, Rita from the church also. Like I said, I'm sure I'm missing people. But anyways, uh, do pray for them and thank you. Uh, finally this, Father, please bless all those that are here today uh, that have experienced fatherhood. Those, Father, who may not have children, but at the same time have the heart of a father, let that be blessed. And Father, we thank you, Lord, to let it be a blessed testimony to you from the household of God, of the love of the Father. Help us, Lord, to become better and better in all that we do. Fill the holes and the voids from those today, Lord, that have experienced loss, loss. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Tuesday night um, is Top Flight Tuesday. We finished chapter 12. We're moving onward into chapter 13. I think that was the fastest I got through a chapter since you've known me. So bless God. Uh, I welcome you to come and thank you. And for the, how many of you are traveling away this next week or two? 
We want to pray and ask the Lord to bless you, to keep you, to keep you safe, to give you safe travels and great joy, great joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and God bless you.